Genesis chapter 1 and reading from verse 14. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales, and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let the fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and, every creeping, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And we shall leave it there. Well, we're looking uh, this evening at this passage of Scripture, which we just read. And my title for this evening's message is Light and Life in Abundance. Light and Life in Abundance. Well, we've begun a short series on this book of Genesis in chapters 1 to 11, and we've had uh, a couple, I think, of uh, messages already on the first part of Genesis 1, and now we come uh, to day uh, 4. We have been observing closely, as, as, uh, in, uh, gradually, the work of the Creator, God at work, a little by little. We didn't want to rush through this. God took his time. God could have done this work in six seconds, but he took it over six days to enable us to point out to us, stop, take a look, listen, and, or rather see and observe what I am doing. And that's what we're trying to do. So this is the great designer uh, of our complex world at work. And we can only say a very little in this short time. The great engineer uh, of, of this world. And we're following him step by step, you could say, as an artist, somebody who begins with, with nothing and just a blank canvas, a blank landscape is all that God uh, began with. And he began to gradually, when the earth was without form and void, he began to fill it. And he began to furnish this world in pre preparation for man. Everything is pointing to day six and that uh, creation of Adam and of Eve. Everything is being set up. The environment has been set up for him. Food has been prepared for him in abundance and things for him to admire and to learn about his creator is also being, being there. So gradually, day by day, 
uh, we are seeing these things beginning with nothing and then uh, gradually God has been adding, orderly adding uh, things uh, to this world. We saw a light on day one and then that great expanse which you looked at, the sky, to separate the water from beneath with the, from the water above. And then we saw, uh, the, we talked a little bit about the atmosphere being just right for us to, to live and for uh, vegetation to flourish and prosper, just the, the right amount for the plants and the trees, the land and the sea that uh, God brought about, and trees in abundance, already in their mature state, ready for, for their, uh, Adam and Eve to, uh, to eat and to indulge, and color. Color came into our world. And so the picture is not yet finished. God is still at work, and now we're into uh, day four. But already, isn't it, friends, we are, we're marveling at what we see, and we wait, we wait in anticipation as we look at these next uh, couple of days, and then the pinnacle of a man uh, next week. Well, day four uh, is, is what we're looking at uh, firstly. Day four, this is only the fourth day of the history of the world, the fourth day the, the earth has, uh, is going to revolve on its, on its cycle. And in just three days already, God has done uh, so much. In six days, in six uh, revolves, revolvings of the earth on its axis, well, it's going to be complete. Creation is going to be uh, finished in just six literal days. We don't hold to the view that some people say, one day here represents a thousand years. No, it's one day is one day, 24 hours, an evening and then uh, 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 a morning. Day, evening and day follows the, Jew, the Hebrew way of, of, uh, of uh, time. Evening first and then the day uh, comes uh, later. But the, the Lord doesn't need weeks. He doesn't need months. He doesn't need years to construct things. We need that. We need so much time. Uh, what can man do in six days in comparison to God? How, many, how, how long do we need to build a bridge? A project, you never hear of a project lasting six days, which is going to accomplish some big thing. The bigger the, the, the thing in mind, the bigger the construction, well, the longer it's going to take and uh, to complete the project, the longer it's going to take to erect uh, that uh, building and think of all that's involved in what man has to do. One person cannot do everything. He has to employ people from all different professions and all different skill sets are needed to erect, say, a building or a bridge. He needs all, uh, not just the architect and the designers, he needs the manual workers, he needs people to collect the cement and so on and so on. But you know, and it takes uh, time, uh, but God in just a moment with a word he speaks and it's done amazing uh, amazing thing how powerful friends is the god uh, that we serve this is our god this is our creator in six days he created the heavens and the earth we saw on day one how god spoke and said let there be light and there was light but now on the fourth day he he actually uh, brings, brings that light and stores it into these uh, two great lights, which is obviously the sun 
and the moon. Verse 14, God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. So these, that light which at first lit up the world, which was some external source which shone on the world, now is brought together and stored uh, in the sun, uh, sort of like a, a light holder, these luminaries uh, in the sky, two great lights, the sun and the moon. And from now on, uh, instead of that initial light, it will be the sun and the moon which will separate uh, day from night to divide the day uh, from the night. Well, it says here, for signs, for signs, these uh, luminaries are going to be used uh, to help give distinctions of time. Well, through, through the movements of the sun and the moon, well, we're going to be able to uh, d divide time, as it says here, into seasons and days and weeks and months and, and, and so on. We, through, the, through these seasons as well, of course, we're going to be able to know what kind of weather uh, we can expect. When the sun is closer to us, we can expect it, or we are closer rather to the sun, we can expect it to be uh, hot. And in winter, uh, when we're a little bit further away, to be a little bit cooler. So the movements... These of these luminaries are going to be uh, for signs. It's going to be of great help uh, to us in life. The farmer is going to find it very beneficial because he'll know from the uh, from the uh, from these luminaries the the time that he should sow and the time that he should uh, reap. Just a little bit later in Genesis eight, and I think it's verse twenty-two. <coughs> uh, the Lord. After the flood, he said to Noah, he promised Noah, while the earth remaineth, sea time and harvest, cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not uh, cease. So there's a promise from God which we, we see every year. Uh, we also, uh, not, these two luminaries will also be of help to sailors, especially at that time. They would use that for navigation. Now we have some more complex tools. But uh, then they would use this. And also, as it says here, how useful it is for us to help keep time. We have calendars, uh, which everyone is using. Every business is using. These various uh, time periods uh, in which we can use, sort of use as placeholders. So this is a day, this is a week, this is a month, this is a year. And we can use these time periods as placeholders to place events that happen in our lives so that we can relate in, with each other. And it makes communication so much more easier to say, oh, in, in such and such a year, this happened to me, or uh, next year I'm going to go this and this and this. this uh, next month I'm going to go to a foreign country and study abroad. It, it helps us so much just to, in, in, in this very simple way. It's an aid, isn't it, to our memory. Because we can look back and say, oh, in 20 years ago I got married. Or three years ago such and such a thing happened to me. This terrible thing happened to me. And it just helps us as an aid to our memory. Businesses can't, could not function without these time periods which are given to us. Life, I think, would be very, very difficult if we were one big mass of, uh, of, of time without any way where to re relate to 
So it, I'm, what I'm trying to say is it contributes to a nice orderly society and makes communication so much easier. The, the sun and the moon tell us when to sleep and when to wake up. And uh, that's a good uh, way to follow. But in verse 15, it goes on to say, Let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it, is, it was a soul. The earth is the focus of attention. The earth is the, the center uh, here. We know that in our solar system, the sun is the center and all the planets revolve around the sun. Scientifically, that's right. Theologically, from a biblical point of view, the earth is at the center. Uh, what's happening on earth is what matters. Christ came into the world to redeem our sinners. This is the center. This is what the planet, we could say, that God has his eye upon. We'll say a little bit more about that in a minute. But verse 16, God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. Two great lights, one lesser in brightness, one, the moon, of course, as we know, borrows its light from the sun. But uh, ref just reflecting uh, the light from the sun uh, back down uh, to the earth. But how wonderful it is, friends, even to think we know the sun is at the right distance from the earth. It's not too far away or not too near. And it's the same with the moon. The moon also is at the right distance uh, from uh, the earth because the moon, as you know, affects the tides. And if it was too close, well, we would be swamped. The, the, the land would be swamped with, with water. But uh, if, we would, if we were too far away, then that would affect our coastal uh, lines as well. So the, the moon and the sun are both at, at right distances uh, from uh, the earth. And by, look at this last part of verse 16. And by the way, God made the stars also. It's, it sort of comes across like that, isn't it? And he made the stars also. All the other planets, all the other stars in, the, in our solar system, all the other stars in the universe. How many are there, friends? Do you know? Do you know how many stars there are? Oh, well, <laughs> I'm sure one or two of you uh, are aware of, aware of this. But uh, initially they used to say, and maybe it still is true with the naked eye, there are only 6,000 stars you could see. 3,000 in the upper northern hemisphere, 3,000 in the lower uh, southern hemisphere. But then they discovered the telescope. <laughs> and with the discovery of the telescope, that number, uh, that number went up to 10,000 stars. 10,000 stars. Amazing, isn't it? And then that number went up even further. When they discovered the, the galaxy, it was 200 million stars. He made the stars also, 200 million stars on one day. Oh, we haven't finished yet, because it goes on, it, once you realize that you know, there are many galaxies in our universe, then the stars are uncountable. They're into the trillions. So th these are how many stars uh, God uh, made. Genesis 15, verse 5, God's words to Abraham, you remember it well. Look now toward the heaven, God said, and tell the stars, count the stars, if thou be able to number them. 
so shall thy seed uh, be. And then, uh, did you know God can not only count how many stars they are, he also knows that give, has given each one a name. Psalm 147, verse 4. Uh, he telleth, he counteth the number of the stars, he calleth them all by their names. Great is our Lord, and of great power, his understanding is infinite. Oh, friends, what a God uh, we have. And in the midst of this gigantic universe, God is mindful of man. God is mindful of what is happening on earth. He has an eye upon, uh, upon man. Psalm 8, where we looked at that uh, recently. Psalm 8, uh, when, <coughs> O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. And then verse 3, when I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? Well, it's, a, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? Our God, who is so great, would even condescend to look upon us. Well, not everyone believes this. Not everyone holds uh, to what the Bible says. Some, uh, some who have held uh, atheistic and evolutionary ideas uh, think otherwise. You may have heard of a man, F.M. Well, Wakelist, and uh, he said, the universe is as deaf to our lamentations as to our exuberant expression of joy. There's no response, in other words, from the universe to whatever happens to man. And then Immanuel Kant, whom you've definitely heard of, concluded drearily and, uh, that the immeasurably large universe destroys our importance. That is no, man is not important because he's such a speck in this huge uh, universe that we live in. And then Nietzsche, uh, the atheist philosopher, one who said, we've managed to kill God. And then he tried to kill Christian morals as well, after he thought he'd actually kill God. In, in fact, as an aside, he ended up in a mental home. He ended up mad, crazy. Uh, but uh, he, he did his best in the uh, 19th uh, century, late 19th century, uh, to destroy Christianity. And he referred uh, to us as cosmic outcasts. That's what we are, you know, cosmic outcasts. No hope is there. No hope for people, no meaning uh, to their life. In fact, he also was so worried, uh, even though he, he, had, he attempted uh, to kill God, he was also so worried, what's going to come into the vacuum? Because he, I think he must have had some idea of, uh, of the, the evil of man and the removal of morals would lead, to, would lead to chaos in the world. And that's exactly what happened because somebody like, like Hitler picked up on his ideas and used his ideas and you saw what happened. We, we know what happened in World War II and so on. Uh, because uh, of his thinking, really, that was uh, behind him. Somebody once said, I shouldn't really be going into this, but somebody once said that you, you know, when, when we, uh, during the time of Hitler's reign or rise, what we shouldn't be, uh, what, we, what we attribute to Hitler 
uh, the praise we give to Hitler, we should also give, give to Nietzsche, this man, because he was very much uh, behind uh, Hitler's uh, thinking. Anyway, how different is the biblical view of man? The earth, the lights, the stars are all uh, for uh, his uh, benefit. But of course, we can take that spiritual view as well of these two lights, isn't it? It's so clear to us uh, when we read it. Here is a picture, friends, of Christ and uh, his church. The sun, the greater light, is the son of, of God, the son of righteousness who rises with healing in his wings. The Lord Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And so he is. And then we, we are the lesser lights. We reflect just that light. We have no light of our own. We just reflect what he shines upon us. But we are also, he said, ye to his disciples, to us, ye are the light of the world. Or just like the moon gives light to the, in the darkness, that's our function too as believers. We also must be light givers, light bearers in this world, giving spiritual illumination to a world that sits in darkness, not hiding our light under a bushel, but letting it be uh, seen. And, <clears throat> and then we move on, uh, let's move to day uh, five. Day five, and here now are the first signs of animal life, and especially day five, marine animals and uh, birds. Well, <clears throat> we pick it up in verse uh, 20. Uh, and God said, let the waters uh, bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. That first part, let the waters bring forth abundantly, maybe more accurate to say, uh, let the waters swarm or teem with living creatures. Uh, because otherwise, if, if we say let the waters, it may give us the wrong impression that these animals came forth from the water, but it was God who uh, created uh, the, the marine life and God who created uh, the fowl, the birds, uh, in the, which you read off there, that fowls may fly above the earth. In verse 21, God created great whales. That word created was only first used in, in verse 1, and now we see it a second time. And it signifies something which is fundamentally new. There's already been life because we had, we had the, the vegetation, we had plants, and we had uh, the fruit trees and so on, the flowers on, on day three. But now it's, it's when God created these marine animals and the birds, it's something a little bit different. Those things, the plants, the trees, they, were, they had life, but they were stationary. They didn't move. But now here we have the Lord doing something fundamentally new, living, moving, organic uh, creatures. And we read here of fish, uh, uh, moving creatures in, in the sea, uh, fish, of course, in, in abundance. And there's so many uh, species of fish, uncountable again. Uh, well, you know the others, octopus, sharks, uh, eels, stingrays. I call it God's aquarium at the sea because there we see uh, his handiwork. And then the fowls, anything which flies. And when it, verse 21, it says, 
God created great whales. That's a, the, 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 it's not only talking about whales, that's something that our translators have put in as whales, but it's actually referring to any large uh, kind of fish, any great uh, uh, fish, fish large in size, sea monsters, including, uh, of course, whales, but also other large uh, animals that were around at that time, but main, the marine animals. The evolutionists, <coughs> well, they began, they, they think, they say life began in the sea and then somehow creeped out of the water onto the shore and became more complex as it went along. From, they believe in the life developing simply and then became more complex over years and years and years. Well, the biblical view contradicts that. And it says uh, that uh, life was complex already from the very beginning. Animals uh, were complex and they, were, uh, they, they, they could do amazing things uh, and very wise things right uh, from the very beginning of time and uh, of their uh, creation. So we see these these, these things uh, written for us in scripture so clearly. They also say, evolutionists, that uh, the birds came after uh, the reptiles. That's a, a, bit, a little bit later in the evolutionary stage, but it's not true. Again, it contradicts the biblical view, which is here at the same time that God made uh, the, those in the sea, he also made the flying uh, creatures the fowl that fly above the earth. And then verse 22, God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. The canvas of earth has come to life, has come to life. The waters and the skies are now moving with uh, or teeming with moving uh, creatures, teeming uh, with uh, life. Awesome sight it must have been to see uh, these things. And remember as well, just like the trees, these animals most likely would have been in adult form rather than babes who are uh, baby cubs and so on growing up. They would have been in adult form and uh, so would immediately be able or soon be able to be fruitful and uh, to multiply. And then I very quickly go to day six, and I just cover the land creatures. We'll leave man to next week. Uh, and we see here in verse, verse 23, the evening and the morning were the fifth day, and then the next day, the sixth day, God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind. Just to say a word about that, we mentioned it before. But the, the kind is means when those animals re reproduce, they're going to re reproduce a baby, a cub, or whatever, after the same kind. A dog will breed breeds dogs. Cats breed cats. Not A cat doesn't breed a giraffe or anything like that. It doesn't go out of that family. It stays within the family. It's always been like that. But evolution, again, talks about jumping kinds. But it's not. There's nothing in the records, the fossil records, to show that anything like that has ever happened. Cannot find it. If it's so common, and it should be common, if what they're saying is true, then there'd be thousands and thousands of fossil, fossils found to prove that evolution 
in this sense is true, but nothing's been found. Uh, so, uh, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping things and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. Three groups are mentioned here for the land animals. Cattle, those who are more, those that dwell with man, a little bit more domesticated, the tame animals that we know, not only the cows and the goats, but horses and other uh, tame kind of animals. Uh, the creeping things, uh, that, uh, that of course means things like snakes and insects, things without feet or with feet, but feet which are scarcely noticeable. So you've got your caterpillars, you can hardly see their feet, but they're there and they're moving, creeping along the ground. So worms, insects, reptiles, this is all that God made. So many of them, such an abundance. It was the other day, yesterday I think it was, I was, came in the front of the church and uh, maybe our sister also saw it. There were so many ants, hundreds of ants uh, all over the place, just at the front, going back and forth, back and forth. And, uh, well, you think, well, so many, and yet God uh, has God has created all these tiny little creatures. Beasts of the earth is the third uh, group, and that refers to wild animals. Those who were, at this point, they were not yet eating each other, but they were uh, somewhat uh, living in the wild. So all these, as we said, were wise. They were not foolish beings. They were not foolish creatures. So we, we have examples, of, so many examples of this. And I'll just give you a few which are familiar to you. We know birds, well, they have their own built-in GPS. They, they know how to go from one place to another, from the northern hemisphere to the southern and, and back again. We have those ants who cooperate so well and wisely together. Spiders who can set traps for other insects. And where do they get all that web from? I mean, where does it all come from? And how do they know how to make such a complex structure? It's amazing, isn't it? Fish, that, I think it's the salmon, is it? That can return to their, uh, their spawning ground. They know how, just exact place uh, where they came into being. And intelligent design, friends. This is God at work. This is intelligent design behind these things. And so uh, we, we close with these just a few thoughts. Life, this is God's doing. This is God's hand. Life is the gift of God. He gives it to the animals. He gives it uh, to us. He, has, uh, he gives it uh, to us and he alone has the right to take it from us. This is something we need to hear in our day, isn't it? Because there are people who don't believe life begins in the womb. And it does. And uh, to, to, to take life when it's in the womb, well, that's God's prerogative. He alone should be doing that. But uh, we, we can also think here of spiritual life. Spiritual life, we lost that at the fall. What a big loss. That we lost that ability to communicate with our God. But through Christ, we may regain spiritual life. Biological life is wonderful. We appreciate it. We're thankful for it. We protect it. And we do what we can for it. But spiritual life is a prized possession for us. And that alone, also Christ can give. So many verses in the, in the New Testament. So many times Christ said, I give unto them eternal life. Whoever believes in me shall have everlasting life. And it's so much a higher kind of life than a merely biological life. So friends, here we have a God 
leaves nothing empty that he has made. He always furnishes what he has made. The heavens he has furnished uh, with the sun, with the moon, with the stars, with birds, with so many flying creatures. The water, the seas, he furnishes with the fish, great and small, diverse uh, and, and, and colorful. The earth with the plants and flowers, uh, decorated them in such a wonderful way. The animals and also populated the earth with men, so uh, men and women. So God also furnishes our lives. When he takes a hold of us, well, he doesn't leave us empty. He furnishes us with so many, with those graces, with the fruit of the Spirit, and blesses us in so, much, so many wonderful ways, makes us fruitful. Oh, friends, what can man do compared to God? What can man do? He can only paint a picture on a canvas, and then he can sit back when he's finished, and he can admire that, that picture that he has made. That's it. That's it. That's all he can do. God paints the picture. God then says, let it be. Let, the, let it be. And it is. Let these things happen. Let these things come to life. And they come uh, to life. The picture comes to life. This is our God. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised.